it's over 9,000! Welcome, Super Elite Warriors, to Final Forum, a podcast for the discussion of all things Dragon Ball. I am your host, Jelly, an elite recruiting member of the Frieza Force, on a mission to find the best warriors from across the galaxy to join the greatest army of all time. And I am joined, as always, by my new recruit co-host. This is the Bikini. Man, what a mess. You're telling me. What the hell happened in here? I honestly don't know. One minute I was hooked up to all kinds of equipment, having that Dakio whatever thing. Dachyoplasdectomy. Yeah, Dachyoplasbotomy. Whatever. Your attention to detail, as always, remains above reproach. Hey, shut up. Anyway, one minute, I'm experiencing the absolute worst pain of my life. The next, the machine looks to have exploded and bodies are torn to pieces everywhere. Everyone except for you. Yes. You realize how that looks. I realize how that must look to you, yes, but you probably heard me spit right before the chaos ensued. Yeah, filthy habit, that... Spitting right before every stressful thing that happens to you, just, like, learn to calm down. It's not just to calm down, but every time I try and explain it, you interrupt But hey, whatever you gotta do to prep for battle, you know? Uh, anyways, I wasn't even sure if it was gonna work. After my bloodline annihilation fist, I thought maybe I'd be tapped out. Well, you're obviously not tapped out if you're ripping apart expensive medical equipment and murdering dozens of Frieza Force members. I didn't do this. Look, I can prove it. Just pull up the footage from the surveillance cameras, no doubt placed everywhere. Cameras? In a medical facility? Do you know how many space laws that would violate? Oh right, the laws. <sighs> so here we have a bunch of dead people. You, totally fine. And I'm supposed to what? Report that everything is just fine? Can't you just trust me on this? I'll have to mull it over. And while I do, let's dive into today's topic. And today, we're going to be talking about Fortune Teller Baba, and we'll be talking about episodes 69, <laughs> nice, <laughs> <laughs> and 70 of the... We are, we are nothing, if not the classiest podcast. <laughs> Episode recap, here we go. Episode 69, titled, Who is Fortune Teller Baba? After defeating RR, as I like to call the Red Ribbon, Goku and the Kame crew re return to Roshi's for a little RR of their own. Bulma's trying to fix the dragon radar, but she's perplexed when she sees that nothing's actually broken. Uh, the last ball just isn't showing up. Bulma postulates that maybe something ate the last Dragon Ball, and it's kind of like shielding its signal from the radar. While, the, <laughs> while they could wait for whatever that ate the Dragon Ball to poop it out, 
Roshi mem- mentions uh, someone named Fortune Teller Baba who can easily tell them where the last Dragon Ball is located. He's even got a handy map that shows the location of her home. What luck! Goku's joined by Yamcha, Krillin, and Puar on this particular quest, who view it as an opportunity to get some more training in. Bulma decides to head home, citing the danger of her previous quest with Goku. As the boys fly off, uh, confident that the danger has passed, Roshi makes an ominous comment while still on the beach. Ah, there's the other shoe I was looking for. The boys make a pit stop to refuel Yamcha's jet and get Goku some new clothes. While he's waiting at the tailors, Goku decides to fly off on Kiton to bring Upa into the group and give him an update on the whole bringing your dad back from the dead quest. The two of them return, Goku gets his new duds and dabbles a little bit in exhibitionism, and Krillin finds reason to question his sexuality. Don't ask me why. It's the 80s in Japan. On their final approach to Baba's, the boys fly straight into a maelstrom. Luckily, no harm is done, and our boys finally peep Baba's hideout. Upon landing, they're greeted with a waiting line full of tough-looking customers and a ghost usher. After being told to wait their turn, the boys are puzzled as to what would be going on inside Baba's palace. The group in front of them enters, and the boys overhear screams of agony, and they just as quickly return, looking an absolute mess. The boys are then creepily ushered into the palace where they meet fortune smeller, I mean fortune teller Baba, <laughs> who agrees to help them find what they're looking for, but the pipe price tag is steep. Ten million zenny. Way to go, Balma. You could have solved all of our problems really easily. Anyways, short on funds, Baba offers an alternative. Beat her five fighters one-on-one. Looks like we're getting a mini-tournament arc. That brings us on to episode 70, titled We Are the Five Warriors. Boys agree to Baba's terms, except they'll only be fighting as a team of three, Goku, Krillin, and Yamcha. Krillin volunteers to go first. He faces off against Don Dracula, I mean uh, Dracula Man, (laughs) who is a Muay Thai vampire. It's an embarrassing loss for Krillin. Looks like someone should have been training instead of loafing about. The boys decide to change tack, and Poir and Upa are added back to their roster, and they ask to fight together. The fight between Upa and Poir and Dracula Man kicks off with Upa launching a surprise attack with garlic breath. Kind of weird that bad breath hurts this guy and not the actual sunlight they've been in this entire episode, but I guess we're going to ignore that. Dracula Man tries to switch it up and take a bite out of Poir, only to get a mouthful of porcupine. Finally, Dracula Man tries to fly away when Upa stands with his arms outstretched like a, outstretched like a cross, and Poir turns into a giant hand and swats Dracula Man into the lake, winning the match. Next up is Yamcha, and he faces off against the Invisible Man. As you can imagine, fighting against an invisible person is challenging. Yamcha tries flailing about uselessly. No good. Krillin gets an idea and sends Goku off to get Bulma and Roshi. Yamcha tries getting his ass kicked. Still no good. So Yamcha does the next logical thing and closes his eyes. Will it work? Find out next time. And they leave us a nice little cliffhanger. Yeah. So we'll talk more about Dracula Man and everything in our next episode. Yes, we're going to focus on Fortune Teller Baba for this one. Yes. So these in episodes, our notes, These I've... episodes are just like, fine. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're they're a little they're a little goofy, kind of like a return to some of the earlier episodes a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I I like the second one. Like I, once it gets started, I I get into it. It's this the first one, episode sixty nine, nice, <laughs> is is just like it's like a it's like hitting the reset button, you know, like whoop, here we go off on our new adventure, right? And so there's not much happening. At least until events. It's like the whole setup thing. Like it's two episodes of like setup to get us to this little mini tournament arc thing. Yeah. 
So uh, Yamcha and Krillin are amazed by Goku's feats and know that they need to step up their game or Goku will trounce them at the next tournament. So they offer to help him find the final Dragon Ball. This is the first time in the series we see others who have slacked off see Goku and realize that they need to refocus and, and redouble their efforts. This becomes a theme with people constantly chasing him in order to smash through their previous limits or until they give up altogether. Kind of like Yamcha a little bit. Goku never forces anyone. He doesn't actually force anyone to refocus on their training. He trains because to him it makes him happy. And other people see this and it sort of rubs off on them because they see how content and happy he is always putting his best effort into training. And so they want to follow his example. Yep. Now we get into Baba and Baba's palace. So Baba's palace itself is the typical, prototypical even, Toriyama walking contradiction. It's alive and dead or undead. It's beautiful and desolate. It's in a living desert and an undead lake. It has trees that don't fit with the environment. And it all just kind of gives it an eerie otherworldly feel because it's actually between the living world and the spiritual or or even after world or undead world there's actually even like conflicting geometry with it where there's like squares and circles and pyramids and there's a lot of symbology there too uh just real quickly like the domes give off female energy and the pyramids male and you know we're we're being told through all of this vis- these visual cues that we we are nowhere we're at a place between life and death between reality and unreality only the the late or the lightai or i forget how we decided to pronounce that <laughs> the ring is on a consistent bit of geometry it's a circle rather than the traditional square lightai but it rests upon a circle itself so this circle upon a circle geometry tells us that this is a special place to be doing battle and then Obake, the ghost, the, the, the ghost, like, valet or whatever you would call him, is... I called him an usher, yeah. but yeah. He is an Obake, or a ghost, named Obake, <laughs> which seems... Oh, Toriyama. Seems like stereotypical, lazy Toriyama, but it could actually be an homage to Fujiko Fumio's manga series... Obake no Kitaro. I think we've talked about Fujiko Fumio in the past and Obake no Kitaro. Um, I think it has come up once or twice, yes. But yeah, it it's a it's a manga series. Fujiko Fumio were like a duo. One of them was Fujiko and one of them was Fumio and they like just put their names together and they decided, "Hey, we're Fujiko Fumio." And they created Obake no Kitaro and I here's where I remember I know we've talked about them before. They they created Doraemon. So ah. that's because we, we've talked about Doraemon before. But so Toriyama grew up watching the Obake no Kyutaro uh, anime. And in addition to that, the Obake no Kyutaro anime inspired AJ Tsuburaya to name his first sci-fi fantasy series Ultra Q. And we know that Toriyama was an Ultra Q fan as well. So in Toriyama's world... Doing these homages to Obake no Kyutaro is acceptable and fun and something that you do. It seems pretty on brand for him, honestly. Yeah. Uh, we get more of Goku's classic lack of refinement and decorum in some puns that don't translate one to one. In Japanese, fortune teller Baba is Uranai Baba, but Goku keeps calling her Urenai. 
Uranai is fortune teller, and Urenai means stinky and or incapable of selling things. Also, he uses masculine pronouns when introducing her to the others, so he insults her multiple ways right off the bat. He's basically saying, hi, crappy, smelly old salesman. <laughs> Some people have assumed that the name Baba is Toriyama making a joke about how old Baba is because in Japanese, Baba can be used as a pejorative uh, for like an old crone or, or old maid. But it can also mean like a granny, and it's more likely that Toriyama's just saying she's fortune teller old granny. Yeah, in um – in Japanese, it's common to refer to like all elders as the the names for grandmother and grandfather, and I don't know what those. Sorry, I don't know my Japanese. I think uh, <laughs> for granny, I think it's something like obachan or obasan, maybe. Yeah, or obasan. Yeah, yeah, and and like you do the same with men and women that you don't know or, or that you like that you kind of know like that would be like your parents friends kind of like kind of like we some people i think at least do this in in america is is like if your parents have a really really close friend you might call them aunt or uncle yeah and you're you're like kind of supposed like that's a a sort of tradition in japan is you're supposed to do that for like any of your parents friends you call them like auntie whatever uncle whatever toriyama is probably not using baba in the pejorative way he's just using it like she's old lady fortune teller because that's how you would you might refer to her in more traditional japanese as like uranai obasan or something like that you know where that would give her like more of a lofty sort of you know she'd be fortune teller grandmother you know but mm-hmm. he's using baba because it's like just granny like it's 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 almost more familial in that way because it, it use a lot of times using those kinds of shortenings implies more familiarity and f- and a more familial relationship so fortune teller characters though have a long tradition in greek mythology and date back thousands of years in china as well so there's a long rich history of fortune tellers for toriyama to pull from but the most likely inspiration for Baba is from a movie, Shocker, the film called The Lost World of Sinbad, which we briefly discussed in our Roshi episode. It was the movie that I couldn't remember the name of because it goes by like several different titles in the U.S. Right. Makes sense. <clears throat> in addition to a horny old hermit character, the hero comes across a witch who dresses almost exactly like Baba, is old and haggard like her is myth- missing teeth just like her and who is named Baba. So in a in an in a further neat bit of uh series synergy here, the Baba from the movie is played by a man, Toho stalwart Hideo Amamoto, who Godzilla fans would definitely know. He plays the old man prophet in Shizuke Kaneko's GMK or Godzilla Mothra King Ghidorah Giant Monsters All Out Attack. That one's a mouthful. <laughs> a little bit but his his best movie my favorite that he's in is probably matango attack of the mushroom people that movie is awesome if you're into i i hesitate to draw this line too with too sharp a pen because then someone's gonna go and watch it and be like it's not like that but the closest comparison point i would give for matango is john carpenter's the thing 
where oh, okay. it's a bunch of it's a bunch of people who don't necessarily trust each other kind of to begin with in an isolated situation where things are like getting worse and worse by the minute and it's all about their trust and their sanity breaking down okay well, and that's good that's great and there's also then monsters. You've piqued my interest because uh, the thing is probably, especially John Carpenter's, is probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, it's one of mine for sure. So again, I don't want to draw that line too closely because you're not going to see like anyone getting their arms bitten off and <laughs> things like that. <laughs> no, uh, but you're talking like like the the, the psychological aspect, right? Of the the setting, right? So back to this synergy. So Baba from Lost World of Sinbad is played by Hideo Amamoto and Dragon Ball, which is a man, and Dragon Ball's Baba is voiced by a man. So we got men playing the female part. Uh, the, the voice actor for Baba is Junpei Takaguchi, whose career spanned decades, including Mazinger Z, One Piece, he was Elder Kai in DBZ, and as you remember from our March Madness tournament, Elder Kai made it decently far Respect. this year. Uh, and he also did a bunch of Japanese dubs. Like, if you go and look up Junpei Takaguchi, he did a bunch of Japanese dubs for major Amer- American films, such as the Simpsons movie. He did a bunch of Star Wars movies, James Bond, and a whole bunch of Disney movies, too. Just to pick a, a random... A random thing from his filmography from Japan. Check out the movie Dinosaur War Eisenborg, which is this really it's 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 more of a show. Actually, I should say it's a wild show, though. It combines live action tokusatsu. So there's like dinosaurs like fighting robots and stuff with anime. All the human sequences are animated. And if you're curious about it, you can check out the comp- compilation movie Attack of the Super Monsters, which is pretty easy to find sitting out. I I think I saw it on like Internet Archive. Um, if you're not familiar with that, if you just Google Attack of the Super Monsters and go to video results, you, it'll be like one of the top results. Prepare to have your brain melted. It's like an evil T-Rex constantly shouting about how... Shouting. I said that correctly. About... <laughs> About how he's going to, like, destroy the human race, and then there's these weird animated sequences, and and it's just madness. I'm not saying it's good. <laughs> Fair enough. But that it's seems interesting. It's wild. And it's only, like, I think the compilation movie is only, like, uh, 78 minutes or something like that. They oh, like, wow, that's really short. They, like, s- just slapped a few episodes of the show together. And they, like, took the intro and outro. I'd be, like, slapping four episodes of Dragon Ball together. Where if you t- uh, okay. if you took out all the intro and outro stuff and all the recapping and everything, you get 78 minutes. <laughs> I, it probably depends on which episodes you're taking the recapping out of. Well, these ones. <laughs> <laughs> so let's keep peeling these layers back further. Toriyama, as is his way, is inspired by a movie, but that movie was inspired by the Slavic culture known as Baba Yaga, an ugly old folkloric creature who likes to eat children and is a traditional fairy tale character in Russia, Poland, Ukraine, you know, Slavic countries. When people enter her foreboding hut, they are faced with a life and death challenge and must be true to themselves and face their fears or suffer being cooked in her oven. Baba Yaga is the inspiration behind multiple characters in fiction, including the Wicked Witch of the West and Wizard of Oz. 
the character Baba Yaga, who appears in the Hellboy comics and the newer Hellboy movie. Not the good ones that were done by Guillermo del Toro, but the, the, the really recent ones. <laughs> and is even the nickname for Keanu Reeves' character in John Wick. Of course, Baba Yaga is traditionally antagonistic, and the Baba Toriyama is inspired by in Lost World of Sinbad is one of the main antagonists. So what does Toriyama do? Has her be evil, right? Because, I mean, he just does what everyone else does. No, of course not. Obviously, she's the opposite, and she's going to help the heroes. Right. Did you see the newer Hellboy movie? I did not. One, I, I got to be honest. Harbor. The, the only thing that interested me about those movies was the fact that David Harbour was going to be playing Hellboy. But, I, I mean, I feel like Ron Perlman did such a fantastic job. I don't know how you could do any better than that. David Harbour was fine. The, the highlight of the movie was the, I don't know, five minute or whatever it is sequence with Baba Yaga. Oh, okay. It, it's actually quite good. It's like the only part of the entire movie that feels at all like something Guillermo del Toro would have done in one of his movies. Right on. And yes, I love the del Toro movies. I, I, I really liked the first one the first time I saw it. And then the first time I saw the second one, I was like, oh, that was okay. When I went back to it, I really loved the second one. I love how like stupid and goofy and funny it is. Yeah, I look at it as like the first one is kind of like getting your feet wet with all of these sort of ridiculous premises. And then the second one is, oh, no, we're going to lean really hard into it this time. And if you didn't buy into it in the first movie, this movie is not for you. Yeah. I love when uh, when Abe and and Hellboy get drunk together, <laughs> <laughs> and they're singing love songs together. That's yeah. great. I love that part. But, I love good character moments like that. Yeah, that's what. And not to get too high on a soapbox like we do pretty much all the time. <laughs> that's what's missing in like modern day blockbuster movie making in general is those like. Three to five minute, take a breather, take a breath from the action, and do something memorable and fun and quirky and understated with your characters. Sure. That, that makes them likable. I mean, you look at the, the major blockbuster releases from Marvel, right? They They are often not looked upon kindly for some of their more tongue-in-cheek moments, but for me personally... I feel like that's where the characters really start to shine because they've been thrown in all these ridiculous situations, but they still find the time to be just weird like normal people. Yeah, I I do think there's a there's a conversation to be had there. You could probably have a whole podcast conversation about how well they've been doing that since probably. Oof, I'm not sure how far back. <laughs> like my uh, argument, could, I could make it. I could make a genuine argument without getting too too far down a rabbit hole here. That it's like since the since they introduced the Guardians of the Galaxy, they have. I, sure, they, go ahead. I was just to say they've struggled to make us really care about any of the characters. This is the reason why I think Phase Four was a lift, and like Phase Five is not off to a great start here. Mm -hmm. Is Aside from the original Avengers, specifically, really, Tony, Cap, and Thor, those those three big ones, they've mm -hmm. really struggled to make us care about any other characters except for the ones that we care about because they care about them. Like, I could see that. I could see that. 
like Tony and Cap both really kind of cared about Scarlet Witch, so we kind of do. And Tony and Cap, like Tony really cared about Spider-Man, so we do. I'll say the exception there being the Guardians of the Galaxy. They were like introduced completely on their own, and we did really like them and care about them. Did you happen to watch the uh, the Christmas special that they did for the Guardians? I did. Of the I liked it a lot. I enjoyed it very much. <laughs> but yeah, like like Doctor Strange kind of got established on his own. We don't care about him a ton, or at least I really. Didn't. Captain Marvel really got established on her own. Nobody cares. Like I forget that movie exists all the time. Well, because Captain Marvel introduces the problem of like it's the Superman problem. She's so powerful, she could solve all of their issues right. with her own strength. So it's like, how do you how do you keep the stakes high enough to where you know, all the rest of the heroes fighting against it makes for good tension, but keep her out of it because as soon as she appears, all tension is resolved, essentially. Right. But like, I don't know. I don't I, I could honestly I could not care any less than I currently do about any of the characters that were introduced in any of the streaming shows. So I just I think. They there's an argument to be said that, like, even the MCU has struggled with falling into a lot of the pitfalls of blockbuster modern modern day blockbuster sure. filmmaking. Yeah, I I'd agree with that. And I think I think modern day is like within the last 5 years. I feel like this has happened and gotten worse. Um my my personal theory is that the it's like a, uh, it's like a the pandemic thing. kind of yeah, the pandemic kind of really messed with things in Hollywood, especially with it, the way they have to film stuff. It messed with the other big thing it messed with is like it, it invited in way more think tanking and like tinkering with movies like 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 what movie was it i can't remember which one i think it would have been jurassic world dominion they said it's like they screened it like 12 times for test audiences and like reshot it after every set of and re-edited it after every test screening and like they focus group these things to death. Yeah. What's what's the old saying? If you were to, to build a horse by committee, you'd end up with a camel. <laughs> and that inter- that that's that's a decent segue, at least back to Dragon Ball, where because Dragon Ball has always been the vision of just one person. It, it does seem a bit more cohesive. It yeah, it, even even if that person is making it up as he goes along. <laughs> Which, to be uh, fair, that that would take a lot of skill. You know, that's what Toriyama does, though. He just like he's like, uh, this happens, and then that. But like, hey, it it is more cohesive, and it you can always tell when something is made by like one person, and it's one person's vision as opposed to sure. being committed. So to bring us further back to our topic, so Baba is she's kind of the first character. That we see, and this some of this is spoilery, I guess. But like, I don't know. Do you, you guys not do, know? Do we need spoiler warnings for like a thirty-year-old anime at this point? <laughs> right. And we'll try not to spoil things too, too much because I think the whole point of our podcast was to say, hey, if you're a casual fan or a newcomer, come and listen to this show and find out like what is behind it. And why it is popular. And so maybe there are some people who have been following along with us. God bless you for not running ahead. Because I would not be able to stand our pace. (laughs) (laughs) 
We've been doing this for like a year and we're on episode 70. I'd be on like episode 300. I think but, we're doing all right. <laughs> but she's the first character who really walks into the realm of the dead. Not just like spirituality that we've become accustomed to in Dragon Ball with like people harnessing their key and magical hermits who live forever and fly around and stuff like that. She is the first person who reaches into the land of the dead and pulls out spirits. So I think how do how do we feel about Dragon Ball adding ghosts and an afterlife concept to its milieu at this point? Considering how much of of mythology uh from like every culture has some kind of dealings with the afterlife in some way, I feel like it's it's kind of the next logical step. Especially now that we are dealing with trying to bring Upa's father back. So really, it was started by Goku promising to bring back somebody from the dead, which is unheard of at this point, at mm-hmm. least within the canon of the story. And now we're starting to get introduced to characters who, in fact, have a hand in the land of the dead and have now proven that some of the less savory aspects of the afterlife can be brought forward to be used in the real world. Yeah, that's a, I hadn't I I kind of hadn't considered that that it it is like this sort of natural progression because of the Bora and Upa thing. I was almost leaning into like, hey, this is how Toriyama manages to keep it fresh despite being somewhat familiar. Like we're this is a tournament essentially, right? The mm-hmm. Mini mini tournament, but it feels fresh because hey, we've got a a whole different spin on it, right? It's it's spiritual and spirituality and and it's like it's the afterworld and the afterlife and there's that element to it. See, my my head canon was that in the earlier chapters, he makes Goku make the claim that he'll bring Bora back from the dead, and then immediately my head was his editor going, "Okay, cool. How's he going to do that?" And then this entire storyline is Toriyama scrambling to try and find an excuse to bring somebody back from the dead. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, uh, I I like like I mean it's hard it's weird because it's hard to envision Dragon Ball now as it exists right. without a prominent afterlife. Absolutely, it, it's funny because we don't even get this doesn't the the Baba stuff and really Dragon Ball as a whole doesn't ever get into the mechanics. Of what the afterlife is, really. It's not until the Z portion of the story. When Goku actually dies. Right. I, I get the feeling that the reason for that is probably, because, again, Toriyama's doing things, making decisions with the story, and then retroactively having to explain them. Oh, for sure. For sure. I I would not be surprised if, and as I think as we go through and we get to these, to these points, I... We'll do our due diligence and 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 check in on this if we if we can. I would not be tremendously surprised if Toriyama intended for Goku's death at the hands of of Piccolo in defeating Raditz to a spoiler alert <laughs> to originally be the end of the story and like have it be. Oh, Piccolo's going to feel so bad about killing him that he turns good. There's your story. That's Dragon Ball. 
I think the for me, I would not I kind be of, surprised. It's kind of the same for me. I think his his intention though, instead of Piccolo, was for Gohan to take over. Well, that for sure. Like when we get into the Cell Saga, was something he wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, but it's along the way, obvious by the Cell Saga, I'm talking though. Like I think his original intent for Z was it to be a Gohan centric story, and I think. What happened was is he probably killed off Goku, and um, fans probably weren't super happy about that, and he was forced to bring him back. I yeah I, I that knowing what we know at this point about Toriyama, that would not surprise me. It would not it would not surprise me if he either wanted to just end it there and he's like oh and he like even told his editor oh the main character's dead guess i'm done and he's like no (laughs) no no god i hope that's how it went down because we know toriyama's been trying his hardest to not work (laughs) the entire time that's true we know that yes he's (laughs) legendary procrastinator that man but no i i it's weird i can't picture dragon ball without the heavy afterworld and ghosts and things like that. And it's really introduced here, although it does, it feels so natural because we have been spiritual all along, right? We've been using, we've been, like I said, we've had hermits flying through the clouds and people and people harnessing their key and things. And, to take it a step further and say that there's ghosts does not it's not like that's like a natural progression. Sure. I also think it's pretty interesting how given how how there's like the the flavor of Buddhism throughout a whole bunch of this that bringing people back from the dead as as core of a mechanic as it becomes in the show later on that it's straight up just like resurrection like Jesus as opposed to reincarnation like a lot of Buddhists believe. Yeah, that is interesting. That yeah, when they were like, "Oh, I'm gonna bring your your dad back," it's not like it's not like your dad in your dad's spirit in like a newborn's body or you know, yeah. like, like that would what that would they kind do of with make sense, right? Like what they do with Majin Buu at at the end of the series with Oob. Yeah, exactly. Who just remembering that that character exists just now makes me realize maybe we should throw him into our our <laughs> March Madness tournaments. I mean, he's technically part of Z. So, makes sense to me. But I, but here I like I said I forgot that character exists. <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty others we've forgotten about. There were definitely a bunch that we intentionally left off. But we yeah. we do we do leave is launch part of our bracket? I forget. Yeah, launch is on there. Okay, because I was going to say we we forgot her just like Toriyama we'll, did. Is it? We'll we'll have to just eventually just take her off without me- like without mentioning it we'll just then... we'll just phase her out without without saying anything yeah that makes yeah. sense and then when we do what we want to be our last episode before we will take like a 14 year hiatus <laughs> <laughs> and then come back we'll we'll have her pop up for a brief second <laughs> that makes sense but only in our youtube video not in our podcast episode <laughs> Not in the canon. Brand. Yeah. <laughs> Not in the canon of, of uh, Final <laughs> Forum. <laughs> but I like Baba's a interesting side piece character, right? That that I never really clock that much when she shows up. Because I always and I still like 
I I get it for the purposes of of this story and like she can help you find things. I get a little bit confused on how she kind of keeps coming back and like <laughs> what the purpose of her continues to be. Ex- other than she does bring about some really cool moments like when she brings Goku back and you get the moment when he meets Goten for the first time. That's a really great moment. Or the really great moment that is facilitated by Baba in Super, where Goku simulates the fight. That's one of my favorite moments. So, I don't know. Maybe she is. Maybe she has become just a cheap nostalgia pop character, but I do think maybe, I guess... She's used infrequently enough and off to the side enough that it doesn't become irritating, maybe? Is is that why is that why it like kind of works and also I don't really even clock it? Uh, I mean that's possible. Me personally, I feel like she's criminally underused, especially given how much shenanigans with the under uh, the the afterlife happen later on in this show. So yeah. I feel like she could have played a very important role. In those adventures. Yeah. I do think her relationship with Roshi is really interesting. And I wouldn't mind seeing... Like, she's like... She's the only person that can make him feel some shame, actually. You know, other people chastise him all the time. But he's always just like, ha ha, ha, that's me. When Baba is like, you missed my birthday. He's like, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely get like a... A very sort of domineering older sister vibe yeah. in their relationship. Yeah, and it would have been fun to have gotten a, like an ep- like a flashback episode, like the one a while back where we went to like Roshi's past, to kind of have something similar for Baba, but just kind of like showing like what their relationship is, maybe a little bit more. They could have easily tied it into you know resurrecting people and stuff, but yeah, again, missed opportunity. We're just we're just giving out free ideas for filler episodes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, yeah. If, if we see these episodes at some point in the near future, we won't at all consider legal action. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I'd, 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 I would take like a small check. I wouldn't Very even small. take a small check. I just my name in the credits would be pretty cool. Someone's got to keep the lights on on this podcast, man. <laughs> I thought that's. <laughs> I thought we were getting funding from the Frieza Force for this. We needed. We needed to be Funimation. <laughs> maybe we um, can get him to animate our podcast <laughs> but no I, I yeah she's uh she's an interesting character i i watched this dubbed as i do with dragon ball i'm i prefer dubs do you recall because did you watch it subbed i do watch it sub yes do you recall did she have a crack about you didn't help me move mom i don't recall off the top of okay. my head she has a line in in the dub that's like you you didn't help me move mom last weekend or something like that and I'm like <laughs> I'm like <laughs> I'm picturing uh Roshi and Baba's mom and it's like uh Roshi the, the with hu- Baba's hair it's like the or like the human equivalent of that SpongeBob episode with the chocolate you know that one <laughs> yes, I do it's like hello young lady is your mother home <laughs> it's like a skeleton <laughs> They're selling chocolate. <laughs> I'm picturing that, but it's like Baba's hair and Roshi's like beard. 
so yeah, that's uh, that's really that's kind of all we got on on Fortune Teller Baba. It's not the most in depth stuff. I mean, kind of like kind of like how the character was treated themselves. So <laughs> there's some stuff there, though. I mean, I would I would encourage people. <laughs> I never want these episodes to wind up being like three hours long of us just like giving a lecture, you know, but I, I'd encourage people to look into like symbology with like squares, circles and pyramids, because there's definitely a lot more there that I just was like, yeah, it's, you know, male and female. <laughs> well, you know, we can't do everything for everybody. We got to let them and, have a little bit of fun on their own. And the Baba Yaga stuff, like, you know, if if any of that picks piques your interest, I mean, yeah, definitely f- feel free to fall down a Baba Yaga rabbit hole, you know. Um, just don't end up just, on the moon. Or just a John Wick rabbit hole, because I like those movies. I like Keanu. I don't think there's a person who doesn't like Keanu Reeves. I don't either. Well, listeners, if Would you're I... one of those people, let us know. So that we could send the rest of the world after you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I think I've decided your fate. Uh Uh-oh. For now, I believe you. While you were droning on about, I don't know, something... Hey, you are the one that wanted to do a podcast right now. Besides, didn't you say these are, like, important to Lord Frieza somehow? Shouldn't you be paying attention? You don't bring your A-game every time. Sometimes I drift. That's very hurtful. Yeah... Yeah, you should have picked up on that aspect of our relationship by now. Oh, trust me, I have. I just keep hoping against hope that if I say it enough, you'll start to be aware of it, which might actually be the first step towards change. Change my ass. What was that? Nothing. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I listened to your scouter's recorded playback while you were talking, and I didn't catch much of anything that sounded like you could have killed all these men. Just you screaming like a baby for me to come sit with you during the dachyoplasdectomy. A loud explosion, and that was it, until you were screaming like a baby for me to come to your rescue again. I was not screaming like a baby. Well, yeah, okay, sure. It was more like sobbing, but the point is I believe you. If you're going to think so lowly of me, I'd almost rather you not believe me. Well, too bad, because after we fought in battle, I know you couldn't do this. Hey, I almost killed you. We blew up the better part of an entire planet. I totally could have done this. Is that an admission? Uh, no. Fine. I was begging for your help, okay? That's all I ever needed to hear. Listeners, we'll take our leave here. Do I really believe, Bikini? Did I believe him all along? I just wanted my ego stroked. Will he wind up going crazy and killing more people in the future? Find out next time and help us achieve our final forum. written and produced by Tom Gwelly. It is performed by Dan Kinney and Tom Gwelly. Our webmaster is Dan Kinney. Our theme music is provided by YouTube content creator GVG Kit. Want to learn more about the Dragon Ball universe, including concept art, behind-the-scenes interviews, and recommendations from Jelly and Bikini? Connect with us on social media. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Final Forum Pod. 
Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you receive your podcasts. And of course, make sure to share it with your friends and family and help us spread the word of the glory of Lord Frieza. The Frieza Force thanks you for your listenership. 